Hey, this is Green Across the Podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Lee and Kelly McVeigh, now part of the Digitent Family Podcast. How's it going, guys? So happy to have you with us. If you check in the show notes, there's a way to opt in for our newsletter to hear more about us and become part of our family. Uh, and we're really excited because today we have Erica Neze. She is a friend of mine. She's an artist and got into the props world for TV and film. Her resume is ridiculous. Um, since since I've met her, she's done so many of these projects. Most recently, she worked on the props. We're talking about fabricating and painting for Wakanda Forever. She worked on the sequels for Avatar, uh, the most recent that you just saw. It just came out in December. She's also worked on Loki, American Horror Stories, The Mandalorian, Black Panther 2, Guardian of the Galaxies 3, also John Wick 3, Fast and the Furious 8, The Magnificent Magnificent 7, The Tomorrow War, Narcos, and more. She, she is so talented. And we talk about her job. We talk about how she got to where she is and how one might might follow in these footsteps. All right, guys. So excited for you guys to meet Erica. Let's get started. Let me have you introduce yourself, where you're from. And then I want to dive into your job because it is so unique. Um, <laughs> go ahead, my friend. Okay. Um, I'm Erica Neze or Erica Nessie. Is that how I say it? Oh my God. Yeah, that's how you say I've it. I've been messing it up the whole time. Nessie? That's okay. Yeah, everyone says niece. Um, my dad is actually from Italy, so it's like, have you ever had bolognese sauce? Yes. So that's the last four letters are the same as my name. Oh, that's how you explain Italian to dummies. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. Please continue. So uh, I'm from New Jersey, and I <laughs> I grew up with two artist parents. My mom is a hairdresser and eventually owned a hair salon later in life. And my dad owned an auto body shop when I was growing up. So that's where I learned to airbrush and spray paint and spray gun and everything. So you have like the mechanical side, and then you have yeah. the artistic side. Okay, I don't know this. Erica, what's your actual title? Like, what is the name of what you do? Um, I'm a prop maker, fabricator, prop painter. So it's, there's a lot of different titles for it, I guess. And there's kind of um, a lot of different areas that you could be in with it, where um, it, I could just be a prop maker and not a prop painter, and then somebody else could paint all my work. Or I could just be in the paint department and someone else makes it and then brings it to me and then I paint what they fabricated. Or I could do it all. It just depends on the project and where I'm working. And when I hear the terms prop master for a set, because you're, you're doing this for film and TV, what does that mean? Is that the person who is in charge and supervising or is that the art director? Um, he's, he's kind of both or, or she's kind of both, but... Um, the last time I worked for directly for a prop master, um, sorry, my dog is <laughs> so cute. <There> <laughs> um, so yeah, the last time I worked for a prop master, I did a lot for them. Um, I kind of just was their hands and 
and eyes and ears, but um, I'm not sure how to answer this properly because it's so many different ways to answer it. He's, he or she is kind of like the art director of props, but not really the art director of the film. Okay. And is that the goal of somebody in your position right now to become that person or no no not always not always Um, okay yeah you don't have to be a fabricator really it does help but you don't really have to be one to be a master at props okay so this is this is how erica and i meet so the the aerial studio that i work at is smack dab in the middle of Glendale and Burbank and it shares like the same street as like the artistic campus like the creative campus for Disney so I get like every 10th person works at freaking Disney but not like corporate not um not at the park and so Erica would come to class it's been years now that she's how many years have we known each other now since 2016 i think that is a long (laughs) (laughs) you know that and i don't because you know when you started ariel well i started in 2014 but i started at womack and bowman in 2016 okay so every you know i i like to get to know my students and every single time i would say hey how's work she's like oh i've been up for 16 hours and I just got out of the shop and I'm working on this tool and I can't tell you the project, but I can tell you in six months. And, uh, she was working on these big films. Um, can you just off the top of your head list all the movies that you've worked on? No. Why? (laughs) There's too many. And there's, uh, there's also TV shows and I've also worked on theme parks too. So I get a little bit confused. Okay. So, but not, not because there's an NDA and you can't talk about it, but because you can't remember. Yes. Okay. So off the top of my head, uh, and when I met you, you were doing, you were painting the, the facade for Star Wars land at Disneyland. Mm hmm. And most recently, you were working on the knives. I don't know what they actually called them, but those glass-looking knives from Wakanda Forever. So you just mm-hmm. had a film out. And then because I'm obsessed with all Marvel, she did. you did Mandalorian. Boba, yep. Boba Fett, too, or just Mandalorian? Yep. Boba Fett. And Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. And then uh, what else? Like just a year ago? Um, it's so hard to remember. Wait, is your resume somewhere? Because I'm going to, like, put it somewhere so people don't have to, like, guess. Yeah, um, actually, uh, I'll send it to you, but also they can follow my prop page on Instagram at Prop Lobster. Of course, it's Prop Lobster. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do a screenshot of her and I doing the Zoom because her... <laughs> Her living room looks like a castle because she fabricated the wall with foam. I'm learning this now. This is something very new that I'm learning about Erica. So she's super artistic, but artistic in a way that like, you know, kind of like the fantasies and dreams of these stories come to life in these very specific and like super detailed, super, super detailed. So let's start with Wakanda forever because it's the most recent thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll, we'll post the, um, the images of your artwork but how does this process begin like are you designing it do you have somebody already sending you a drawing like what is what is the process with the artistic director yeah um so we get uh concept art from directly from the directors and the art department 
And um, then there's a specific team that works from that deciding what it should be made from, etc. And then uh, someone will fabricate the pieces or we can 3D print them. Uh, we also do molding and casting. And then it will come to the paint department and we'll paint it and then we'll go back to assembly and then it will be shipped to the film. And on some pieces, do you do many, many uh, drafts like a writer yes. would? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's like, what's like the nor- normal number of drafts for like a piece of, like something that is like in the Wakanda where it was very um, shown. It was very, it's spotlighted. Uh, yeah. There thing. will be like little tests and stuff. Um, I'm not really sure how many we did on Wakanda forever specifically on each piece, but um, I do know that I worked on Fast and Furious 8 at a different location, and the prop master and the director couldn't agree on anything, so I think I painted the same thing like 85 times before they finally played on screen. (laughs) Wow, and you're doing this while they're shooting. They're like approving. um, It's like wardrobe. They approve. They send it back. They approve. They send it back. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, while they're shooting actively. It's like we have to get it there before they shoot that exact scene and sometimes it's months in advance so it just depends on when they're starting and if they've already started what project it is how long it's going to take and recently because you've done like this marvel star wars like like world you've done a lot of weapons Mm -hmm. um is that just randomly or do you have a specialty in weapons that i didn't know about uh, it's not really a specialty, but that's what most films need, are weapons. So that's where I started, and that's probably where I'll end my career. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please talk to us about, like, how do you make... Like, how do you make, we- like, guns and, and knives, and, like, how do you know this? Is it just, did you learn on the job? Are you studying the history of knives? Like... For for sure. Yeah, both. okay. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's a little bit of both. Like, at, at one of my other shops before the shop that I'm at right now, um, they had us do everything from start to finish. So we would go into a gun locker, clean the gun, like, assemble it, mold it, cast it, mold it, uh, take the rubber piece and paint the, the rubber to send to whatever filming was happening and then we would have to put the gun back together and clean it and fire it to make sure that it still worked and everything and then go lock it up and then continue on with the next piece okay and then by now do you know like if is something if some technical person like who has specialty in these weapons like comes to you to consult for a film do you know their language already is it just do you know that stuff? Yes and no. Um, sometimes they'll they'll say things that they want that are more sci-fi, so we have to come up with a whole different thing. But um, if it's just a like a nineteen eleven gun or something or a rifle, and they can say what year, I can kind of picture what is happening. It's so funny because. Um, all of my students that come into Ariel are like exceptional at their regular day jobs. And then they come into Ariel and they have no idea what I'm saying. 
and they have like no memory of what I taught them the last class and I sometimes forget that you guys are holding so much information in your heads (laughs) about very about things that I would never know about how did you number one how did you study or become ready for this type of job and number two how did you start how long did it take kind of at the beginning yeah your education yeah we'll go all the way back um so in 1985 no I'm just kidding um in high school I actually took a lot of art classes during school and also after school and on the weekends I was just always taking art classes as an extracurricular activity and um in school, it's funny because both of the art teachers that taught me were like not really into my art and they were like, you'll never get into art school. And um, they never made me artist of the month. And at the end of my high school career, um, nobody thought that I would become an artist. So they didn't have me as, you know, most likely to be an artist, etc. And I just was always like, whatever. And I applied to all the art schools, every art school. And one of them was actually in Savannah. Um, and my guidance counselor... I don't remember her name, but she was like, you're never, you're never going to get into any of these. So you have to come up with a backup. <laughs> yeah. You have to come awesome. up with a backup plan and not, not be an artist basically. And I was like, well, let's just see. Like, I don't know. I don't know why you think you know this. So I listened to your, um, episode <laughs> With, with Lino. Lino. Yeah, and I, yeah. I it rang so true with me, and I'm also from the East Coast, so I was like, that's very funny. But, um, yeah, so then I got into every art school that I applied to, and I chose uh, the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, and I loved it. It was great. It's mostly a film school, so a lot of my friends are in more film-type roles, and I went to school for illustration. So I learned basics in fine art and I got better at airbrushing and I you know I did a bunch of techniques that I didn't know that I could do and then I took that with me onto student films and I was doing um special effects makeup and sculpting prosthetics and not really knowing what I wanted to do because I wanted to be in the film world but I didn't know exactly what avenue to take and Then I was coming out to L.A. a lot, and this is like 10 years after. um, So this is when I'm like 27 or 28. I was coming out to L.A. a lot, and I was like, I I might as well just move here because I've always wanted to live here, and I've always wanted to work in film. So I moved out here, and I think it took about two years before I finally got into the film world. Like, I was doing small projects and B-films, but... Finally, in about 2015 was when I did my first actual on-screen film where I could go to a theater and it was playing. And that was the Magnificent Seven remake. Oh, okay. So um, I was the only painter on that. (laughs) I was the only one. (laughs) Does that mean you were, you had way too much to do? I saved one of my pay stubs because I worked 91 hours that week. How many hours are there in a week? Do we know? (laughs) 
hopefully more than 91 because then I didn't sleep at all. But I ended up buying an air mattress and staying and like just taking small naps when I needed to and then waking up and finish. I probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I don't know if the whole world is listening to this podcast. I would hope, but I think we're okay. Um, okay. Just bookmark that. Looking back to your art when you were in high school, can you say now why you think nobody, re- what was it just preference? No, I was fine. No, I mean, why no yeah. one saw your art that way? Was it just they, they didn't like your vibes or? I don't or- know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, that makes me laugh because it, it's different for me because no one thought I was going to be that good when I was 18, but it's because I wasn't. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? I was really a late bloomer, but you had so much confidence and you got into every school you applied for. Had I done that as a dancer, I would not have gotten every school that I applied for. Yeah. So it is I, different. I so, yeah. so you obviously had talent and like a vibe, but just not recognized basically. I guess. Okay. My town was also one square mile. So it was, it was very tight and maybe um, other students were closer with those teachers or something. Okay, so maybe more like that. But, you know, it's interesting to me, too, because if you're really, really good and you're in a small town, I think one of two things will happen. Either you're like a fucking rock star and then you come to L.A. and you're like, I'm a small fish in a big pond now. Or it's the opposite where you have nothing to compare yourself to and you have no idea how good you are. Mm-hmm. It, uh, eh? um, it's... It's like uh, I was not a rock star in high school at all. And when I went to college, I was very, like, I was very low on the rock scale. <laughs> the rock star scale. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is so many, so many rock stars that I went to college with. Um, and I, I didn't consider myself one at all. But coming to L.A., uh, I learned on the job and I learned that, you know, I don't want to be in prosthetic makeup and I don't want to work on certain things but I do really like props and I still really like painting and I still um I still do sets sometimes um like like how when you met me I was working on Star Wars Land I still do stuff like that sometimes but I won't go back to a construction site like Star Wars Land Okay. I understand. So so from listening to that I feel like you did like you kind of like rode low a little bit but then found your niche where -hmm. you could where you could really shine yeah it's it's kind of like I knew I always wanted to be in film I just didn't know what exact category so I kind of dipped my toe in a few different ones and found this and would you say that that is kind of the way you get into a job like this or do you feel like you took a really different route than everybody else you know I definitely carved my own path. <laughs> okay. I don't think anybody does it like this. <laughs> like, how do you think, like, your friends did it? Is it all, like, just scattered, or do they have more of a formulaic way of... It's very scattered because I'm probably one of the few that actually went to art school, and I would say to anybody listening who's thinking of going into something similar like this to not go to art school. And oh. 
and just work on the job and, and learn on the job because now that it was a waste of time for me because I really, really learned so much and also I met so many people that I continue to work with today professionally. But um, it's more like uh, you can get into something if you just make a portfolio about what you're trying to do. As long as you have confidence and you understand the materials, you can learn on the job. And it's a lot easier for most people to do that. You know, I, I would say that's a very like West Coast thing. You're from the East Coast. I'm from Ohio and usually the Midwest kind of veers East coast a little, just vibe wise. Like I don't, I don't know. Everybody like always, uh, it was like on a pedestal, the East coast, mm-hmm. like the coastal cities and education is so important to people there. Yeah. It's important as a status symbol. It's important when you're dating, like if you don't have a certain amount of education, you're suddenly like not in the high echelon of something it's just so revered and out here it's just not mm-hmm. it's not in the same way um i knew as a dancer i didn't need to have a dance degree i could just come out here as long as i can dance because exactly. you can also have a dance degree and not be able to dance yeah <laughs> i mean it happens everywhere because you know maybe you sh- shine in choreography and maybe you shine in in like another you know dance history whatever it is so for you guys, it's probably the same, but I, uh, I, I'm one that went to college and, and I didn't even get a degree in dance, but I'm so glad I went for those reasons. I feel like LA might've like chewed me up and spit me out by now, by now. A lot of people told me that LA was going to chew me up and spit me out. (laughs) But here you are in a castle and here you are. (laughs) (laughs) yeah how do you the question is how do you not get chewed up and spit out by la um what is that answer erica that's a really tough question (laughs) uh i i personally and you tell me if you agree like not anymore do i want so bad to dance but when i did holy fuck i wanted it like i think back to my competitiveness during that time like I would, I would cut a bitch for a job. Yeah. Like in my mind. <laughs> mine, mine is a little less competitive. <laughs> I don't have to actually cut anybody, but I will make you the knife so that you can cut somebody with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like my industry is different because we're like in the room and they're literally mm-hmm. picking you out of the bunch and, you know, like the temptation to take some girl's fake ponytail and just yank very high for me. (laughs) Are you also, would you say that if there's a percentage of men and women, men to women, women to men in your profession, what would you think that number would be? Um, It's a very male dominated industry and I get treated very poorly and I'm probably one of maybe five or six that I've seen at every job that I've ever worked at. I've worked probably with five or six women. So five or six women who are getting the work and how many prop fabricators and artists are there in the city? You think like, do you guys have a union? We do. It's prop 44, but um, they won't add me to it because I don't know. (laughs) 
it's it's a big battle that I'm fighting. But you need a certain amount of hours, and uh, right when I get to almost that point, they let me go or they put me on a different job, and I have to start from scratch because those oh, hours on the go same away. job. Like you have to be on the no. same job. No, it just has to be within a certain amount of time. So they make sure they wait that certain amount of time before they hire me again for a new job. (gasps) That's shady. Isn't it? Because even if it's a different production company, they can see what you have done when. Yes. Whoa. And so to turn the tide on that, you would just like sometimes just a week difference to start a job. Um, it would, if if yeah i mean it's hard to say but yeah if you're at one studio it would be like every day could be a different job or it could be a week turnaround or it could be a few months turnaround but um if i leave that studio for some reason another studio can hire me and i can still keep those hours that i earn towards it but also not every hour counts so it has to be a a specific counted day towards your 30 days into it and then once you get 30 days into your apprenticeship you can start doing an actual program and it's about three years long so you have to so I make it to the end of the apprenticeship and then they're like okay well we'll hire you in a few months <laughs> oh my god that's enough to want to punch somebody out yeah okay wait so Okay, I don't know about you, but it's not super easy to get in SAG-AFTRA, which is like the Screen Actors Guild Mm -hmm. and uh, TV. But if you are a working dancer or actress or singer or broadcast television person, they want you in the union. Yes. Right? Yeah. They want you in the union because if you're already working, then you become part of this, this group and you can fight for your rights, blah, blah, blah. So if you're working consistently, they want you. So why wouldn't that be the case? Um, it's just a little bit different. Uh, also, we get paid a lot less, too. Because it's, than actors. Um, than actors. Yeah. Well, than actors, but also than people who are in our union. So if I was in the union right now, I'd be making a certain rate, and I think I'm making, like, less than half of that. Oh, so interesting, because, for example, as a performer, if you are on Wakanda Forever, and Wakanda Forever is a SAG-AFTRA film... You have to be unionized because yeah. you're on it. So that is so different. Erica, I learn something new every day. And I feel like um, my audience people, if you guys lost me, I'm sorry. But I feel like also if you're interested in this type of job, this is this is like insider information that you would never find out unless you actually talk to somebody. Um, so it's a very male dominated. Do you feel like. I mean, so in a way, you're a minority, even though you're maybe not an ethnic minority. Do you feel like yeah. you just have to prove yourself every minute of the day? Every minute of every day. So your your shit is tight, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing. On a good day, yes. <laughs> well, that's why you keep on getting hired and hired and hired. So is it just one of these things, like uh, Michelle Je- Yo just won a big award for the Golden Globes, right? Mm-hmm. And and she was talking about inclusivity and the roles just not being there. And kind of in the same way as you, even though you're not on screen, you know, over time, hopefully there will be room for more women, right? Yeah. Or they'll, it'll just become more balanced. Do you feel like that's going to happen in your career? Um, 
sadly I don't, but I do hope for it daily, especially when I'm at any shop and I'm watching things that are happening or I'm listening to things that are happening around me. It's it's really sad to to hear the way that that we're all treated, but um I do I do hope for it within my lifetime. It's just like kind of like a macho misogynistic. Yeah. What's it called? A uh, culture, yeah? Yeah, culture. Culture. Um Oh man. And then you're spending hours and hours uh so you said 90 hours on in one week on that one project when you first got there, but for you to fabricate like a like a main piece in a like a main weapon for a movie, like how long does it take? Like minus the drafts, like to actually um, it, finish. Yeah. The piece. It, it really depends on the piece on like how intricate it's supposed to be. And also um, how, how it's supposed to be painted, how it's supposed to be masked off. And um, if it's going to be printed or if it's going to be, something that already exists and we take a mold from it and use the mold to cast new rubber or plastic pieces from it. So I have an example for you. I know this is really good audio content, but I have a sigh here that I made. Oh, it looks um, like uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's from uh, the mummy. It's a Noxina sigh in, in the uh, mummy returns. <laughs> Um, just be still for a moment. Be still, my my friend. Okay, I got it. Uh, there's a little bit of tape on the end because I'm not done painting it, but basically this is a 3D printed piece, and it's put together here. So this is two pieces. And once it was put together, I could mask off, this is all gold candy, and this is all chrome. So... I could mask off one or the other and paint all of that and then do this second part. And so when, when will you be done with this piece, you think? It just needs a little bit of paint at the end and then it'll be done. So probably tomorrow. I love it. Um, but that alone probably took um, a few days because... Once you 3D print it, you have to get rid of all the print lines and prime it and then mask it off and chrome it. Chroming takes a few hours just by itself. And so, so I'm imagining when you're working on this piece and you've got all these processes. Is there down, if you're working on one piece, is there like a lot of downtime in between those steps? And then what do you do? Are you just working on another element of the, of the movie while that's... Uh, just several, several other pieces. So I didn't actually work on The Mummy Returns, um, but I, I just like the prop so much. So it's a replica. But yeah, if while this is drying, so let's say I painted part of it and it takes an hour to dry... While that's drying, I can work on something different and come back in an hour and do the next step and let that dry for another hour. <laughs> how much how much toxic fume do you think you have have breathed in in your lifetime? All of it. <laughs> All of the toxic fume. 
because growing up, I I went to my dad's auto body shop as well, and I would breathe all of that in too. So it just started so young. <laughs> do you do you feel like um like looking forward in your career? Do you just want to do more of the same, or do you have like? Um, actually, I've been think rethinking my career a lot lately because I uh, I just don't like the way that women are treated in it. So. I've been thinking about either going in a different route or continuing this way, but possibly opening up a women-run shop or something. It's got to change. So the shop, the shop, which is the the physical shop and the people that work for that shop, mm-hmm. those shops are subcontracted by the movie studio. Yes. And so for you to do that, you would have to have the connections. You'd have to have the connections so you, they would bring the work to you. Mm-hmm. But then after that, after you get rolling, then you can just run your own space and get contracts, right? Yeah. Erica, I think I think it's possible. It's a lot of work, I'm sure, and it's not money right it, away, right? That's what it is. It's not money right away, yeah. So it's just going to take a while, but um, maybe, maybe that will happen in my lifetime where I could do one small step. But... Yeah, hopefully, hopefully women get treated better in this industry soon. Yeah, I have to say that there's a lot of drama in my industry, but it's not like that because we're just like a bunch of women and gays, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, so there's, yeah. there's other things. And of course, there's the subjugation of women and whoever's in it by the same types, the, you know, the people who are at the top of the studios and stuff. But, um, yeah. They're not trying to make you feel small or anything. (sighs) No, not in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I always say with L.A., like, the thick skin, you have to have it. But it's definitely different in every different field. And honestly, since I have been a teacher, I just have run so many of my students because I'm in L.A., work for Sony, Lionsgate, Disney, like uh, HBO, HBO, what is it called? Max. HBO Max, like (laughs) Paramount, like every single studio and every single like new streaming platform. And the horror stories I hear from mostly women about working kind of like as a peg in the whole machinery, you know, like they're either um, personal assistant to like a big executive mm-hmm. or, you know, they're like doing digital media and they have to deal with like the streaming, like the technical streaming. Like it is so interesting because it is an artistic, generally an artistic corporate world, but that doesn't mean that it's, artistic every day like uh, for sure my job would seem to be artistic every day but it's just not and I'm sure yours is artistic but then there's so much more there's the politics of working for who you're working for and what the contracts are and um, how much of your job do you like if you were to put a percentage on it is the actual art um that's a good question. I've never thought of that. Probably 
60 to 65 percent okay that's pretty good art yeah it's not bad because even sanding or, or fabricating like like really small things that are just basically a cog in the machine like you're saying like we're all kind of cogs in our own machine yeah um even that it's like its own art so i think it's it's the way you look at it, too. It's yeah, like, I, I was just going to say that, Erica. I don't know if every fabricator would say that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think that that's, you know, I kind of uncovering the reason why, what makes you special. Because, and I'm not saying that I don't feel that way about some things, but there are definitely, and, uh, you know, maybe you can think of some times like this. There are definitely jobs where I'm like, this is 100% for the money. Yeah, yeah. No, I can yeah. say that as well. But um, yeah, if I'm doing something and I, it's it's kind of an artistic rainbow. So you start off with like very small, uh, I guess, if I go back to sanding. So it's like, it's not very artistic, but you're getting rid of all the print lines or you're getting rid of all the seams that would make it look not like the actual thing that it's supposed to be on the screen. Yeah. So I think... I think that's what I mean. It's like you're perfecting the all the imperfections before it goes to the next step in the art process. Yeah, and I'm still going to reiterate. I think that's a special <laughs> thing because I don't necessarily think that, that each step is artistic. Well, no, that that somebody else would view it that way. You know, somebody oh, okay, else yeah. who, is, who is exactly your job mm-hmm. would view it that way. They'd be like, "Oh, this is just like tedious." The tedious work. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think you could find that in any, like, for writers. There are writers who just want to spit out their idea and not, and not like, get into it with the editor and completely unearth it all and start over. They just want to, like, you know, have a ghostwriter yeah, almost. Yeah, have know? the content, like, push it out. Yeah, that's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... In the same way, let's make a let's make a comparison to my sport. Like, there's a lot of teachers out there that don't want to teach beginners because you're just repeating the same first three, four steps. Um, and I don't get bored with it. I don't actually even get that impatient with it when I really think about it. Like, I mostly laugh in class. I yeah. I don't get impatient, but I just. But I won't also be like, good job, honey. Like, I won't do that shit either. But but really, at the th- in, in the thick of it, I'm not impatient. I'm very patient. I'm going to wait until you understand it. And I just might giggle with a very evil vibe behind it because I think it's funny. <laughs> that's why you guys keep on coming because I'm authentic. Yeah, exactly. That's Authentically what I was going to say. <laughs> we like it. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Definitely what I'm going to do for this is in the beginning, like in the intro, I'm going to talk about all the movies that you've made. Do you have a favorite like all time project? Would you would you say anything stands out to you? I did really like Wakanda Forever. Those those weapons were really, really fun. I'm going to send you some photos of them. And um, I I guess um, Magnificent Seven holds a special place in my heart just because it was my intro into actual films uh, and it was my first one that I could actually go to a theater and see my work on screen it was really exciting so that was probably my favorite I love that question would you live here Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for your job 
No. <laughs> you know what? I used to think that. And then Asa and I bought a house this year in, on the East Coast. Yeah. And we have slowly been like, you know, just the weather. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We've slowly like, well, yeah. maybe I didn't really appreciate this place for all it's worth. Yeah, um, no, it's that's true. I would probably live in a warm climate, but I I did daydream about um do you know what Weta is, the company? I feel like they I did all the the Lord of the Rings weapons and they do a okay. ton of films, but they started with Lord of the Rings. That was like their first huge production. Um they're in New Zealand, so I always dream about going and working for them one day. I did work with them on the Avatar sequels, but not for them, so a little and with them so so your shop got got subcontracted by weta who was i was actually on set for the avatar sequels so that was i was working directly for a prop master and i was on the set fabricating basically out of trash something because they would just put all the little balls on it and it would be this amazing looking weapon on the screen. Oh, that's right. That must be so different because you're not actually making weapons. You're making trash. You're making structures that can pick up motion capture. Yes, exactly. Did you have to like, what is the gist of that? It has to have the same uh, appendages. It, it has to have, yeah. Like, it has to basically be the exact like shape or or some sort of shape that's almost like it and uh sometimes they'll have a photo that's kind of pasted to the outside of it so that they'll know what it is and they can just put it in the computer like that but um sometimes it's an actual like i had to make um a rocket launcher but i had to make one human size and then also one navi size so i had to actually measure each thing perfectly and be like okay this is the human size yeah so wait back up why didn't we just drop this casually that's not like a casual drop i worked on all the avatar sequels <laughs> so so there's two more coming at least <laughs> and are they done i don't know like, i worked on the second one in 2017 Wow! Yeah. Didn't Sigourney Weaver say something in an interview where she like she did that so long ago that she doesn't even remember anything yeah. about shooting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was so yeah, prob- long ago. Probably she was she was definitely on set though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still blown away that you're doing like you're obviously good at what you do and you're and they, you haven't been unionized. This is so ridiculous to me. It's really okay. hard. <laughs> um wow so i am you know i forget the talent i have around me because you guys are just doing aerial like normies and i you know it's it's only when i like jump on the phone and like do an interview like this do i really understand what's going on in your life because you know you step into my world and we are normies in your world yeah yeah we're muggles without any superpowers. <laughs> Your superpowers are growing slowly. They're coming in. It's just, you can't like focus on it. I keep yeah. on telling her to straighten her legs and to point her feet. And it doesn't it's always just, happen. It's so hard. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So for all those kiddos out there who are like, man, that sounds really fun. Is it, is it like any other field here in the entertainment industry? You got to move here and get into that tight coil that is our industry. Uh, yeah, but I would say start wherever you're living, make your own films, make your own art, um, just kind of do what you're good at, do what you like to do, because if you don't like to do it, you're going to hate going to work. So when I was doing prop, I'm not props, when I was doing prosthetics, I was like, I really don't like this. I really don't want to keep going. I really don't want to ship this anywhere. You know, I, I really don't want to put this on an actor's face. And then when I started with props, I was like, oh, I love this. I want to go back. I want to keep doing this. Okay, I want to do this on it, my off time. What was about it about the prosthetics? Was it the material? Was it that that you can't control it as much because it's on an actor's face? Like, what is it about that that was? I just I wasn't interested in it, and I didn't understand why because I thought that was kind of the only art form that I could participate in in film. Okay. Sorry, my other dog is trying to get up here. Um, so, yeah, it's... I didn't realize that there are so many avenues, so many routes that I could take in okay. just film. And I knew that I wanted to be in that industry. So it was just kind of figuring out which one to take. Erica, thank you so much for sharing your life and and also the castle that you're living in. Uh, I think it's fascinating Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're fascinating. Erica, thank you so much for carving out the time to be with us. Your your career is fascinating to me. And I hope to you guys out there as well. Um, yeah, thanks listeners for being here. Please honor us with a five-star rating and a review. So simple. Just leave a sentence. Uh, smash the five stars. It it makes a huge difference. We'll highlight you on our website, etc. And thank you to Asa Watkins Sound Engineer. Thank you to the Digitant family of podcasts. If you want to check those out, a health and wellness focused podcast group. Tons of great uh, things to listen to and as well as the Expecting Our List, my other podcast. If you want to get down and dirty talking about motherhood prenatal postpartum stuff um and arrow stuff all right guys it's great to be here we will come at you next week with a weekly roundup over and out this is greener grass